hope you had a good Father's Day uh, today. I certainly did. We had a we went to lunch together, all of us. And uh, having walked 12 miles to school barefooted uphill both ways, as I mentioned this morning, a uh, person that does that certainly deserves to be taken out to lunch on Father's Day, which we did. We had a good time. We were all together at this restaurant and uh, seated at a table, Mike and Harriet and Julia and Lisa and Dave, Steve and Debbie and Avery and Martha and myself. And Avery's going to be one-year-old when? In October. I mean, two. She's going to be two in October. We're trying to teach her. Yeah, we're trying to teach her, you know, when someone asks her age to say, you know, one, and then we'll graduate to two in October. And uh, so today, we got her to learn to do this. We'd say, how old are you, Avery? She'd go. And we'd all cheer and clap. You would have thought Baylor had won the Cotton Bowl or something. Baylor had gotten to the Cotton Bowl. We'd cheered and clapped, you know, and people in there looked at us like those fannings have flipped out over there. We, we really believe in, in positive reinforcement. She did that three or four times, and we and she'd look around at us, and I don't know what she's going to be like when she's two. If we do that when she's one, I don't know what we do next. But uh, all excited about approval. You did good. You're doing great. You're learning it. I had a father like that. Charlie Fanning was a person like that. He never... He never studied psychology that I know of. He went to Burleson Junior College in Greenville and then to Baylor University and graduated from Baylor. And uh, he was a very intelligent man, but I don't know that he ever read the term positive reinforcement. That's sort of a modern psychological term, and it's very fine and very descriptive. But Charlie was that and didn't know it. He was a positive reinforcer. Now, Charlie Fanning could not stand up here and do what I'm doing Tonight, if his life were at stake, Charlie Fanning could not preach. He could sit in a, in a group and over coffee around a dinner table and carry on the most intelligent conversation and express his views, but he couldn't stand up in front of people and do it. And I've always appreciated people who just did not have that ability. It's not a, a lack. It's not a handicap. It's just some people are talented in one way and some in another. I'm sure there are a lot of people like that. Charlie Fanning just could not lead in public prayer. It just terrified him. He would always tell me when I was preaching in revivals and he and Mother would come to the revival, he'd always remind me. Now, Buckner, he'd sometimes call my brother and me, he'd sometimes call us Hun or Sugar. He'd say, now, you tell the preacher. You be sure to tell the pastor not to call on me to pray, because often they think the, pa the father of the evangelist, you know, is, leads in public prayer. So I'd always say to the pastor, don't call on my dad to pray. I heard my dad pray hundreds of thousands of times at the dinner table and at night before my brother and I would go to sleep. We'd have time together in our bedroom there in Dallas. My dad would lead in prayer, but he couldn't stand up and lead in prayer. But his character came through. And he was a positive reinforcer, not primarily because of what he said, but because of the kind of person he was. He was, just by nature, the most unselfish human being I've ever known. He didn't know that he was being unselfish. He didn't realize that he was just a giver. But he was. That was just his way. 
without any question, the most unselfish person I've ever known. And unselfish with encouragement. Now, that didn't mean that he didn't correct. He did. Uh, very positively and very strongly. But in a redemptive way, not a punitive way. And he had a marvelous sense of humor. <laughs> when Mike and Steve were little and Charlie was still alive and he was visiting with us, and those boys were just tearing up the place, and I was about to tear them up. They were just going crazy, and Charlie was there visiting with us, and Martha was in the kitchen fixing something to try to feed those kids and the rest of us. And, and I was just beside myself, and my dad was sitting on the couch just laughing. <laughs> I said, Charlie, it's not funny. He said, yes, it is, Buckner. It's very funny. I said, no, look, I mean, these kids are driving me nuts. He said, you deserve every minute of it. <laughs> he said, I'm just thrilled to death to sit here and watch you struggle, to watch you struggle with it. Charlie's the encouragement expressed itself in, in a number of ways. One, he had a, some philosophies he had that maybe he was conscious of and could articulate but whether he could articulate them or not, he lived them and expressed them. Charlie never looked back. He was not a person who carried regrets or grudges. He just kind of shake it off and say, okay, let's go on. He was a futurist in terms of his attitude. That didn't mean he excused everything that happened in the past or failed to call it by its right name, he would do that. That is right. That is wrong. One of Charlie's favorite words was sorry. That, Buckner, that kind of stuff is just sorry. Did any of you ever hear that phrase? Not, I apologize kind of sorry, but I mean sorry like milk gets sorry. It gets sour. That's sorry milk. And, am I not right? Those of us who grew up on the farm, milk cows all day long, walked to school 12 miles in the snow barefooted. <laughs> we know that sort of thing. Uh, Charlie would do that. He'd look back and, uh, to the extent that he would evaluate and uh, he would identify, but he wouldn't dwell there. He didn't look back. He kept moving. He kept moving forward. And I had a tendency when I was young to, to start a lot of things and not finish it. I mean, I was enthusiastic about anything that came along, and so I signed up for everything. You remember that set of books I bought, I signed up for? You know, you pay a dollar now and a dollar and a quarter every week for the rest of your life, one of those kind of things. And I kept wanting my dad to help bail me out on that thing, and he never would. He never did. He just said, Buckner, I want, I want you to learn something. Don't buy deals like that. Don't. Don't get caught in a situation like that. What you start, you need to finish. What you start, you need to finish. I went out for every sport. I wasn't exceptional at any of them, but I played all of them. Tried to. I wasn't big, but I was slow. <laughs> so I could look good out there. And I went out, I did, I went out for track, baseball, basketball, and football. And I'd get hurt and get all beat up. I'd say, Dad, I don't think, I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. He said, you, you started, you're going to stay. You are going to stay. 
I, I think that's, among other things, one of the most valuable lessons that my dad taught me, and I'm sure my brother as well, for we've talked about him and talked about his values and his spirit and his attitude. Don't give up. Stay with it. Don't look back. I'm sure he'd read it, for he was a Bible reader. He'd grown up in a very devoted Bible-reading Christian Methodist home in Greenville, Texas. I'm sure he knew Paul's statement, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Charlie epitomized that. And what he preached to me, he practiced in his own life, in his own business, in his own relationships, in his own friendship, in his loyalty to Christ and to his church. He was faithful to it. There are many other great qualities about Charlie, and I'm coming to the scripture here that I want to kind of stand him up and let him sort of speak to you for just a moment through his, through my interpretation of him. For I see his life as a reflection of truth as revealed in the Word of God. Charlie's love was unconditional. Unconditional. He did not always approve of things that I did. Not by any means. And he was not Pollyanna about it. He was not weak and passive about it at all. He was very positive about it. But love was never in question. Never was. I remember experiences in my life, and one particular experience that stands out as vividly as if it were happening now. My mother and my dad and I were sitting around the dining room table in our house at 6942 Mistletoe Drive in Dallas. And... uh, I was kind of out of fellowship with them, not out of relationship, but I was out of fellowship with them because I just had had done a dumb thing. It's so dumb, I don't even want to tell you how dumb it was. It wasn't so moral or immoral, it was just dumb. No, I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) Some of you might try it or something. It's horrible. It didn't hurt anybody but me. It made me look like an idiot. Uh, it would be kind of the equivalent of, of, of the some of the modern hairdos that guys wear, those things that stick up straight like an Indian, you know, with lights on them and that kind of deal, you know. Did any of you grow up in the day when you used to try to dye your hair? <laughs> oh, that wasn't it, but we tried that too. <clears throat> Weird-looking stuff. My folks, they were really put out with me, and justifiably so, should have been. So we had the conversation. I said, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done it. I'll get over it, and we'll get over it. Yep, it's going to be okay. But he'd been pretty strained there for a while, and I'll never forget. My dad walked around behind the table as me and my mother were leaving the room, leaned down, kissed me on the top of the head, and he said, Buckner, I love you. Now, you can do a lot of dumb things. And a statement like that will put those dumb things in perspective and turn them into impetus for a changed life in the future. And at the same time, it'll put all the stars back in your sky again. That's encouragement. Be an encourager like Barnabas. Be an encourager like Paul. 
You look at this classic 16th chapter of the book of Acts when Paul keeps running into these people like Lydia at the prayer meeting, an encourager to people in quiet times of searching. Here she was at a prayer meeting, not a Christian woman, but a good woman, a moral woman, a religious woman. Lydia by name, a businesswoman, seller of purple, dry goods business. And Paul attended the prayer meeting. What did he do? He encouraged her. He shared his own testimony about what God had done in his own life. And he says, and the Lord opened her heart. That's the only person who can open a heart. We can witness. We can share. We can sing, teach, preach, and all that. But the exclusive work of the Holy Spirit is to reach inside and open a person's heart. And we're just instruments of God's Holy Spirit to have that happen. That's all we are, tools, instruments of God's Spirit to help the Word of God enter a person's heart. Fourteenth verse, a certain woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. He was an encourager of people during quiet times, searching times. Good Christians do that to other people. They're sensitive to those searching moments in people's lives. Sunday school teachers are sensitive to that. People in their class. People are looking for some new direction. They may be quiet people. May not be flamboyant. An extrovert in personality. Like Lydia in a quiet prayer meeting out there beside a brook. Was ministered to by Paul as an encourager to faith and to trust. By being there. He was an encourager to another woman in the middle of the town. 16th verse. A woman who was going through some very turbulent times. It happened that as we were going to a place of prayer. A certain slave girl having a spirit of divination met us. Who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune telling. Here was a demon possessed woman. Needed to be delivered. Paul couldn't do that. But God could do it through Paul. That something needs to come out of you so something new can come into you. I want to encourage you to let light into your life and the darkness will flee. Let joy into your heart and anger will disappear. Encouraging people in turbulent times, the middle of the street times of life, frantic screaming times of hurt and pain having had injustice done to her by people who owned her. That's just hard. Slavery, I think, is one of the hardest things for me to imagine. It's just it's very difficult for me, although all of us come from, not all of us, many of us come from a heritage of slave owners. My grandmother's father, my great-grandfather, owned slaves in South Georgia. My grandmother came to Texas after the Civil War in a covered wagon. She grew up to a degree in that atmosphere. It's hard for me to imagine that one person could own another and would own another and would want to own another. That's turbulent. That's traumatic. Thank God for people who come along who encourage that kind of change that liberate those who are bound, set prisoners free, who are held prisoners by social conditions that are immoral and evil. 
encourage people during turbulent times. My dad would always write me when I was in the service. He never wrote more than about four or five lines on a typewriter, and he'd sign it, Dad or Charlie. He never wrote any long epistles. But he wrote short letters with just positive, helpful statements. I was going through a turbulent time. Of course, they were at home, too, as well. But in the midst of that, a word from your father. Miss you, love you, praying for you. Everybody's doing fine. Take care of yourself. Love, Dad. Good. Encourager. And then Paul was thrown into jail. Paul and Silas at midnight prayed and sang praises unto God. This morning I talked about influence. And I think at 8 o'clock, I didn't have time at 11, I referred to Paul, I think I did, Paul and Silas in prison. And... Uh, praying at midnight and singing at midnight and the unconscious influence they had upon the other prisoners. For it says here, but about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God and the prisoners were listening to them. To watch people in times of their own personal trouble and see what kind of message they give off, see what kind of sparks fly off of their life when they're being ground upon? Is it positive or negative? Is it helpful or hurtful? Is it love or is it anger or hate? I saw my dad go through some difficult times, physical times, financial times, extremely difficult. Never saw him lose his positive spirit. Never saw him stoop to any kind of dishonesty. Or never heard, I never heard my father in my life take the Lord's name in vain. Never heard him curse. Even under great pressure. Now, Charlie couldn't sing. That's where I get my talent. <laughs> Charlie couldn't sing. But his spirit did. And at midnight in times in his own life, he sang praises unto God. Just a few days before he died, I was with him. And we talked about death. We talked about not being afraid to die. Knowing that everything was all right between him and the Lord. We were driving over to Mexico to eat some white wing to eat together. It wasn't long before... He was hospitalized and then went on to be with the Lord. And he said, you know, I just don't want to suffer any. I just like for it to be peaceful and positive and quiet and go on to be with the Lord. He's under a lot of pressure thinking about that. And his calm spirit in the face of death itself soothed my own heart and spirit. Therefore, I considered it a privilege an honor to stand up there and conduct the service for my father, both in Harlingen and in Dallas, as I did for my mother. And Martha sang, and the boys participated in it because he gave off that kind of vibration, 
that kind of influence, that kind of witness. And so in the words, the words of Paul to the Philippian jailer, the climax to all of these evidences and experiences of encouragement, came across with one great loud affirmation of the 31st verse of the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. In a word, that's the message. That's the truth. The ultimate exclamation mark at the conclusion of the sentence of a committed Christian is All of this is because of faith in Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And he will make of you an encourager of people in quiet times of searching or desperate times of trauma or in pressured times, imprisoned in circumstances over which you have no control. To be there with God's spirit, to be there with God's word of faith, and to be there with God's encouragement, and to be there with the affirmation, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You will be saved in terms your soul is saved, your life will be saved in terms it will be used for something uh, that has eternity in it, something purposeful and something creative and something helpful. He not only saves our soul, he saves saves everything about life and points it in a new direction and makes of us agents of reconciliation. He makes of us sons of encouragement. He makes of us ministers of light and salt and life. I thank God for Charlie Fanning. I thank God for people like him. So many, many, many in this church who are that to me now as I want to be to them and to you, as we all want to be, and God will help us to be to each other. For, as George Eliot said, what are we here for if not to make life less difficult for each other? What are we here for if not to make life less difficult for each other? Life is difficult enough without having it complicated by Christians who are who are on our side and helping us and encouraging us. And so, be a Barnabas, be a Paul, and in my dictionary, without any disrespect to anyone else at all, be a Charlie. I pray to God I will be as good a father to my children as Charlie Fanning was to me. And I pray that for my sons and their children. It all comes from the Lord, so trust him. He's the author of it all, so follow him. He's the producer of it all. Let him produce it in your life.